Hi, I'm Sandy, And I'm Angel. And today we're going to do a podcast on leadership and family in The Queen and Ransom. So we're going to begin by defining the two central themes we're going to be talking about today. Leadership is the action of leading a group of people or an an organization. Yeah, and family is often used in books to represent refuge and security. And family members are often seen as the people that stay beside us in the toughest of times. So for many, family refers to those bound to us by blood ties, but for for others, the term can also extend to people you love, like close friends who love us unconditionally. So if we look at these two definitions side by side, it's clear that there's a conflict which lingers between them. Because if you're someone who is a leader, you're often seen as the point of guidance, direction and authority. And if you're looking at a family which is seen as a place of refuge and security, it's often hard to stop being that point of direction and authority and to just relax and let yourself enjoy the time in which you don't have to be a leader. And if we look at the Queen and Ransom in particular, there are certain types of leaders in both. Yeah, so in Ransom, we have Achilles, who is the who leads his warriors, the Greek Miramordians, or however you say that. And we also have Priam, who's the king of Troy. And in the Queen, we've got Tony Blair, the Prime Minister, and the Queen herself, Queen Elizabeth. And also Diana, who's referred to as the people's princess. So it's obvious the people look towards her as a sense, source of like guidance in some sense. Yeah, and this like same conflict is also sort of mirrored in the titles of the two texts. So let's start, let's start off by looking at the queen. So the queen is an official title. It's a noun, but it's not Queen Elizabeth's name. So it shows how a leadership role almost defines her. The title also shows that she's a public figure because by choosing to choose use her title, it's basically like saying that this is how she's perceived by everyone who looks upon her. So if you look at the poster for this movie, it also reflects this because she looks very royal in that image. She's covered in white, which is a royal color that represents purity. But it's interesting that it's a close-up image of her face and her eyes are extremely startling within the image. So eyes are often seen as a window um, to the soul. And when you look at her eyes, they're like blue and they really like strike you against this like white background. So it's almost like her inner self is seeping through her leadership role. So it's saying that although people try to maintain a leadership role, it's not completely, it's not completely um, performative. It also reflects parts of their personal like struggles and experiences And you can notice that when you examine a leader in close detail. And if you look at the title of Ransom, Ransom is a verb and a noun. So it's noticeable that Maloof could have just named the book after Priam or named it the king, but he elects to name it after the act of ransoming. And this implies that acts are more important than titles in the world of the text. Yeah. And so first, we're also going to look at... um, one of the main questions we're going to look at in relation to leadership and family is do we need to sacrifice family and their humanity for leadership um so in the first few pages of ransom achilles is at first musing um between his immortal and mortal side so he's thinking about his mother um the sea goddess thetis and he 
for he um what do you call it he says she was his secret he floated in the long soft swellings of her hair that image itself produces a very soothing quality to it and coupled with the alliteration of s and h this warm feeling is further amplified there's also less effort to pronounce these words used than in the previous quote about Achilles' earthly side, where he says it's a world of loss, dependency. Um, there's also it's also noticeable that she's his secret. Yeah, he feels he must hide this divine half because he doesn't know how it will match with his his side as a mortal leader. Um, she also later on he also states, but she had warned him from the beginning that she would not always be with him. She has given him up in page five. And you can think about how the Greek gods, though they sacrifice family, there's no sadness attached to it. It seems like it's just fate. It's what's normal of what's expected of a Greek hero. And this emphasizes that leadership does not inherently correlate with sacrifice, but because we humans yearn for the preservation of family bonds, we believe the two are synonymous. And he states he had grieved, but silently, never permitting himself to to portray to others how he felt in page five again. And these words, he had grieved, a simple, direct sentence, show that he feels these human emotions and that desire for a family, even as an earthly leader. The but ruptures this, showing there's an extra conditions on how he must grieve. And it presents the even cruel nature of being a leader. You can feel the, all these emotions, but feel pressure to not express this. Another scene that is really important in Ransom relating to this question is Priam and Hecuba's reactions to Hector's death. So Priam tells Hecuba to stop grieving, but he does acknowledge that the weeping is normal because he says, how could we do any less, any one of us, for such a son and brother, such a fearless protector of Troy? So it's clear here that Priam, when talking about missing Hector, is very much thinking in the mindset, oh, I've lost a warrior. Because although he acknowledges that Hector is a son and a brother, he does pointedly end his reflection on this, that on the fact that he was the protector of Troy. So it's showing that to Priam, Hector is more noticeable. His death is more prominent because of the fact that he did help him create an image as a good leader. And if you compare this with Hecuba's reactions or like to, to this grief or her reasoning behind her tears, she's like, she's talking about Achilles and she's like, oh, if only I could get my hands on that butcher, I'd tear his heart out and eat it raw. And she says, it's my flesh that is being tumbled onto these steps here. So it's clear that these images that she creates, they're more violent, they're more central to things that are like within us, like body parts, like the heart and the flesh, the things which make a human. So it suggests that Hecuba's children, her relationship with Hector is what made her as a person. So Hector's death sort of detracts from this, whereas Priam is able to be observational, he's able to contemplate it. He doesn't feel this sense that his very being is being ripped apart because of Hector's death, because he hasn't connected to him as a family member. And upon hearing like Hecuba's like violent like exclamations, Priam quails before this small, fierce, straight-back woman he has known and not known for many years. So the phrase he has known and not known also strengthens this because it's a parallelism. The words and phrases are so close to each other and it shows that he's so close to understanding his wife. He knows her so well, but he will never understand this side that she has as a mother because he hasn't allowed himself to fully be a father. 
And when Hecuba thinks about the children's childhoods and she reflects on him carrying um, carrying Hector through her pregnancy, all Priam can think is that what he recalls of the children's childhood is a series of small squabbling bundles, each one presented to him like a bloodied human offering on an outstretched palm of an attendant to be recognized as his and blessed and gathered into his household. So it's interesting here that he collectively references the children. They're not individual. All he knows is that he has 50, maybe more, maybe less. It's not a distinct number and they're not really mentioned by name until later on. And through saying that the children had to be recognized as his, it's clear that he has this sense of ownership over the children. But rather than Hecuba, who says they are my flesh and my heart and these intimate sort of descriptions, here it's more like of a formal sort of relationship because when you think recognize, it's almost like creates this idea that there's a ceremony being carried out. Uh, so his role in a, as a father is ceremonial. It's something which like accentuates the fact that he's a leader, that he leads these children. And this sort of sets up his journey to realizing that he can be a father that actually connects with his sons and daughters whilst also being a leader. But he's not at that point of realization yet because he hasn't been forced to think about that yet. So this sort of like dynamic is also mirrored in the queen because leadership clearly affects people's abilities to understand their family's needs. So if you look at the queen's reaction to Prince Charles' desire to fly a private jet to see Diana in hospital, her reaction is, isn't that precisely the sort of extravagance they always attack us for? This isn't a matter of state. So her response is clearly thinking about the media's response to them taking this action. And this is very much like a statement which is said from a leader's mindset. She's more concerned with the media's reaction rather than how the act will offer care and consent, will show, that, will show love to Diana. So it shows that her leadership has sort of bred a very evaluative trait within her that she can't really get rid of just to show some expressivity and intimacy with her family members. It's very hard for her to allow herself to just connect with her family members when she's constantly thinking about how the media will react to something. So leadership always sort of like creates a tense sort of state where you're always on edge. So when Charles proposes to put up the flag to honor Diana's death, the queen and her family rail against it. They say, your grandfather didn't get that flag at half mass when he died, and if your mother were to die tomorrow, she wouldn't get it either. And this shows that the royal family and leaders in general are very sort of like entrenched in tradition, and it's very hard for them to be flexible. So although Charles sort of like tells his family, but sometimes in a situation like this, one has to be flexible. There's a lot of like, there's a three dots in this, there's a lot of pauses. He doesn't seem very sure about it because he knows that he cannot his desire for change cannot go up against his family's sort of entrenched idea that they must retain these old customs. So in a way, leaders can't be blamed for like not understanding their family's needs because they're simply acting on everything that they've always known. And if you just look at the shots of Buckingham Palace in general, they're often presented as wide shots. You can see the old statues, you can see the buildings, you can hear the bagpipes. So all these are really traditional sort of markers. And there's also like shots which um, like oscillate between the gates, which keep out the public and the actual palace. So it never actually shows like the public, well, it does show the public and the palace as one, but it rarely ever like shows them in one complete shot. So it seems that almost like natural that the royal family members will sort of like keep to their tradition and these values. 
and reject anything that the public is sort of offering because they believe that that's what they need to do to protect their family, to protect their interests. So when Blair walks in to discuss political business with the Queen, his wife stands outside and their physical distance foreshadows and mirrors the emotional distance which will form between them as he ventures further into his leadership role. If you look at the height of the shots in the Queen's Palace, it makes it feel much more larger because they're very long shots and this creates a very terrifying image of the palace. Whereas if you look at the height of the shots in Tony Blair's house, they're much shorter. He has a smaller house. The family is literally more close together. As the film progresses, the length of the shots in the Queen's Palace appear to decrease. And this parallels how the Queen, when she starts to rely on her family more, especially the Queen Mother, she's able to think of herself and this institution as less scary because she has a has people to help her navigate this.